Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, Seacoast Vineyard Church. My name is Lauren Bass. I am a campus minister down at Coastal Carolina University. It is really good to see you, 1130 service. I do believe last time I spoke to you, I just fractured my knee surfing, and I was sitting down preaching, talking about optimism, saying, come on now, way too much. You guys are like, oh, yeah, she's back. She's back. Well, I have good news. The fracture in my knee is healing which is why I'm on one crutch. Um, And uh, I promise I won't say come on now 25 times. Good news today. So I'm crazy optimistic about that. Well, we are building a foundation for the next four weeks on a new series around temptation. All right, so we're launching into a journey to discover God's faithfulness in the midst of when we feel tempted or when we feel trapped around our temptations. We'll discover that God is faithful and God can be trusted. And and I believe some temptations in our lives through this series will actually lose leverage. I believe that. And so I'm super excited about that. Paul instructed the Christians at Corinth to examine themselves. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to examine our internal selves, and that is good, and that is holy. Okay? You guys feel good about that? Yeah. All right. So I would venture to say that everyone in this room has something in their lives that is tempting them. Something, maybe it's small, right, that it's just kind of nagging you. Or maybe it's something that is large that you've never told anyone about. But I think we all have something that is enticing us, luring us, right? Wanting us to take the bait. Okay, you see, I think temptation is the idea of this fishing hook. Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play with a fishing hook today. All right, so this fishing hook itself isn't so enticing, right? Right? Okay, guys, you guys got to work with me. So the hook itself isn't so enticing. So that's why I brought gummy worms, okay? Maybe those will do the trick, right? But here's what temptation does. This is how Satan uses temptation. I know you 1130 service. Right? It entices you. It says, take me, eat me. I'm really good. Right? And it lures and entices you all the time. All right. Maybe you guys aren't into gummy worms. That's fine. You guys are like, has she ever fished before? All right. So gummy worms aren't going to do the trick. Ow, I just stabbed myself. So, you know what Satan does? He steps it up a notch. How about a $20 bill? This is what Satan does to us. 
You're not going to take gummy worms? How about some money? You don't have to be at church this morning. You could be making some of me. Right? This is what he does. It just dangles in our face, pulling us away from community, pulling us away out of our relationships, and ultimately, our relationship with God. Right? That's what temptation does. And so this is to illustrate what temptation is in our lives. All right, but we live at the beach, right? We're just going to set this down right here. We live at the beach. Temptation bombards us, right? Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So I don't think gummy worms and a $20 bill is a total reflection of temptation. All right? This is what it feels like to live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's just pulling for your attention left and right. There's a car. There's a Barbie. Yeah, a lottery ticket. But I would want to illustrate that that's what temptation does in our life and that we all have something, something in our lives that is pulling us, dangling right in front of us. It's the whole idea of what we do to a fish, right? We entice it out of its retreat. Um, And so all of us have something in our lives that is enticing us. For some of us in this room, it could be the temptation of envy, okay? It could be the temptation of people-pleasing or gossip, Or it could um, be the temptation of cookouts, 40-plus milkshake options. Come on now. All right. For some of us, it could be substance abuse. Maybe the temptation is there to smoke something, drink something, take something. For some of us in this room, it's a sexual temptation. Um, Maybe your credit card is just burning a hole in your wallet. I don't know what temptation is luring, enticing you, or calling you by name today, but I'm confident that God's word is going to speak to this broken reality of temptation. There is hope today. There is hope today because at the end of this message, I'll be giving two invitations for our church body to stand together. The first invitation will be to say, yeah, temptation is just dogging me. It's frustrating me. It's nagging me. And I need my church body to stand with me and pray for me. The second invitation will be for those of you who hear about the good news of Jesus and you don't know him yet, but you're intrigued by more more of what he has to offer you, all right? And so the reason we stand and clap and encourage is because there's something huge that happens, right? When we stand uh, fully with our whole being and we are able to support each other in prayer. So we're doing big things. You guys ready? All right, take your seatbelt. Take your seatbelt. I don't see you guys taking your seatbelts. Take your seatbelt and buckle in. Here we go. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, or you can check out the screens in front of you. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out 
so that you can endure it. So, Father God, we bless the reading of your word today. Jesus, we um, pray for your help because this is a hard and a tough subject, Jesus. And so we pray that you would come in and heal wounds and bring life to our church body today. So in your strong and mighty name, amen. All right, so let's all get on the same page when it comes to the definition of temptation, shall we? All right, so there are uh, numerous definitions of temptation, but here's the one we're going to work with today. So what is temptation? Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation says, do it because it will feel good. Just this one time, it will give you purpose It's at the cost of obedience to God. And so scientists even tell us that when we give in to whatever the temptation is, stare at this, drink this, take this, our brain actually releases a little chemical called dopamine. And it gives us a hit or a buzz or an excitement, and our brain rewards us for it with a little bit of a high. And so once the high hits, there is the yes, I am satisfied moment, quickly followed by the, oh, wait, not sure that was a smart move moment, okay? And guilt sets in, regret sets in, and and shame starts to set in. And so you tell yourself, I'm never going to do that thing again. And you muster up a few good days maybe a a few good weeks or months, and then you are back at it again. The the cycle is familiar with many of us. It's vicious. It's a vicious cycle. So what are we going to do about that? Well, we're going to keep it real simple today and talk about four truths, four truths that deal with temptation. Now, you guys have to know this because these four truths are key. But they are not your antidote to your current temptation. Okay, the antidote to your current temptation is not a philosophy. It's not a new idea. It's not even a strategy. Okay, because strategies, they break down when HALT is happening. And so if you're familiar with the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, that stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. So if you've been in AA or recovery groups, you know what this acronym stands for. So if you're, in, you're any of those things, let me tell you, you're in the middle of temptation, you're not thinking about the newest strategy you learned, okay? So when, when any of these things are going down, strategy is the last thing on your mind. So the hope this morning, my friends, is not found in a strategy. The hope this morning is found in a person, the person of Jesus, Because when we say yes to temptation, we're actually saying no to something great, something more, something amazing that God has for us. Okay? All right. So we're going to go over these four truths. And remember, hope is found in the person of Jesus. All right? Hope is found in the person of Jesus. All right. The first truth about about temptation, you should have a fill-in in front of you and a pen. This just keeps us from going on tangents. If you know me, you know I need that. Amen. All right, so the first truth about temptation. It is not a sin to be tempted. I'm going to let that sink in a little bit because I think some of us need to hear that this morning. 
Yes, it is actually not a sin to be tempted. Check out Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest, the high priest being Jesus Christ himself, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Okay, so in other words, when Jesus was walking this earth, he dealt with temptation just like we do. Yet he did not sin. And let me be very clear, okay? Being tempted is not the same as sinning. You have to understand this because the enemy will come in and use false guilt. False guilt to make you feel guilty when you shouldn't feel guilty. All right, for example, eating a donut is not a sin. But if for you, however, you feel convicted, you want to eat healthy, and so you say to yourself, I'm not going to eat a donut when I walk into Seacoast Vineyard. But you walk into the front door and you see 12 glazed ones over in the corner calling your name saying, eat me, eat me, I'm covered in sugary glazed goodness. And you say, I want one, I want one, and you look at one, you look at one, you look at one, and then you walk into the sanctuary, you did not sin. You were tempted, yeah, totally, but you did not sin, okay? Now, if you pick one up and smell it, is that a sin? Okay, the next few weeks are up to Pastor Tim. You can ask him, okay? All right, so being tempted is not the same as sinning, and what the enemy wants to do is to cause us to feel guilty when we shouldn't feel guilty. So I thought about eating a donut, so I'm, maybe I did eat a donut, so I might as well eat a donut. Are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? Okay, cool. So when we feel guilty, what do we do? We medicate our guilt with sin. I feel bad, so I might as well go ahead and sin feel bad, so I might as well go ahead and sin. I worked with someone a few years back that had previously struggled with a pornography problem, and uh, this person had been clean for a while when I met them. Um, they started leading a Bible study, an active uh, member in their community, and just really loved Jesus. And so I'm not surprised that temptation started to creep into their life. I'm not surprised. And so uh, this person um, was wise enough to not step into uh, the temptation, into sin, right? But temptation started to creep in left and right, an innocent walk through the mall, and their Instagram news feed, unwanted thoughts. And it all was luring them in, saying, watch me, stare at me, open me, right? And so thankfully, um, there was some supernatural wisdom to keep this person from hurting themselves, hurting other people, and hurting the heart of God. And so false guilt was coming in and saying, um, you are frequently sinning because the temptation was there. There's a difference, okay? There's a difference. So when false guilt brings something on you that shouldn't be there, you have to remember the second truth, all right? The second truth is that you, my friends— are never above temptation. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are leading a small group Bible study, you're volunteering in this church, you're living for Jesus, you're loving Jesus. It doesn't matter. You are not above temptation, all right? This is what 1 Corinthians 10, 12 said. We looked at it earlier. 
So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I'm so glad that person near me is going to hear this. I don't need this. I don't need this. I'm above that. Guys, red flags, like no touchdown, strike out. When you start to say, that's not me. I'm above that. I would never do that. All right, well, we have an enemy on our playing field too, okay? And he will come at you in your weaknesses, and he will come at you in your strengths. I mean, have you guys, do you guys watch movies? Okay, have you ever been watching a movie and the main character starts to flirt with evil? Yeah, you get so into it. You start yelling at your TV screen like, Katniss, don't eat the berries. Girl, I don't know what you got to do, but you need to swerve, right? Or, or Frodo, that ring, right? You should have threw that in the lava like yesterday. And come on, Luke, the dark side, swerve. Come on, swerve. Oh, and you got to love this one, Neo. Pick a pill, red pill, blue pill. At this point, I don't know what pill, but dude, you're flirting with evil. You know it's just a movie, but there's a future at stake. There is a future at stake. And so we so often can see the futures at stake when others start to flirt with evil. But we don't often see our own futures at stake when we start to flirt with evil. In fact, there are people that would say, I would never do that. And they're the ones that fall the hardest. They're the ones that fall the fastest. And and I have personally found myself in different seasons of my life overly confident in my strengths. And I have fallen into temptation because I let my guard down. Okay, so scripture says our heart is deceitful above not just a few things, but all things. Our heart is deceitful above all things. And so we never know when we're going to be vulnerable. We're capable of sin given the right environment. We never know when we're going to be vulnerable. So one, it is not a sin to be tempted. Two, you are just never above temptation. And three, the third fill-in is God will never tempt you. My students at Coastal are wrapping up some final exams this week. And so why do their professors test them with exams? Well, to further their education, to promote them, to get them graduated, hopefully. I don't want them to ever graduate. I want them to be with me forever. (laughs) That's not going to work out. But they test my students to move them forward. Okay, God will test you. He will not tempt you. There is a difference. Okay, so sometimes God tests us to move us forward. Satan tempts us to move us backwards. Massive difference. So God may test you and say, hey, are you going to be faithful to this? Or, hey, are you going to be obedient through this? That is a test, not a temptation. And so James said it this way. In chapter 1, verse 13. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. 
These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So where does temptation gather its fuel? Well, James is saying the source of temptation comes from within. It's something inside of you that longs for things outside of God. It's something inside of you, okay? And so it starts with a thought or a desire, and and then according to James, it can be born into a sinful action, okay? So I like this word enticed here because it is. It's like a hunting term, right? Remember our our (laughs) floppy illustration with the fishing pole and the hook and the bait and the $20 bill? It's like a hunting term, okay? And so sometimes that desire or thought gets us hooked. And so we have a choice. Do we take the bait or do we swim away from that temptation? Remember, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation says do it because it'll feel good. Just this one time. It won't hurt anyone. But at the cost of obedience to God. I mean, the hit or the buzz comes for a moment, certainly, but then things just kind of start to unravel, okay? So God will test you. He will not tempt you. But when we are bombarded with temptation left and right, when things are dangling in front of us, enticing us, pulling us away, right, can we trust God enough to be faithful in our current temptations? Can we trust God enough? Well, that leads us to our fourth truth, and that there is always a way out. That's our fourth truth. There is always a way out, no matter what. So no matter where you are today with your temptations, no matter what is luring you, enticing you, maybe even calling your name today, there is always a way out, no matter what. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So when you are tempted, what will our God do? Our God will provide a way out so that you can endure it, but also so you can brave it. So a way out for some of you might be that you do something really brave. Okay, you, you, tell, you take a big risk and you tell someone what you've never told anyone before. Okay, that you need help, that you don't want to be stuck anymore, that you want out of your current darkness. And to step out of your current darkness into light might be that you confess to some people. Okay, you confess and you receive prayer and scripture says you will be healed. All right, and that's what's so powerful about small groups in this church okay, is because we are not battling temptation alone. And I am so thankful for pockets of people uh, in this church that know my current temptations, right? And I said that I'll be giving an invitation to stand if you're faced with temptations, and I will be the first one to stand and say that I'm thankful for those people that can name my temptations who also pray for me, okay? I'm thankful for those people. And so, um, For some of you, a way out might be accountability. It might be uh, that you need someone to kick your butt, get in your business, all up in your business, and love you enough to ask you the hard questions. 
We'll get into more of this in the following weeks. But for, for some, a way out might be counseling, therapy, rehab. The problem is deep. You've tried, and you're just not getting there on your own. Um, so maybe you need some serious healing, detox, or time. Okay? Again, we'll get into more of this the following weeks. And so Martin Luther, the father of the Great Reformation and an outstanding theologian, said this. He said, to be a theologian, you need three things. This list is crazy. It doesn't make sense to me. It's awesome. He said, you need prayer. He said, you need meditation. And you need temptation. He said, you need prayer, talking to God. Meditation, hearing from God. And temptation, learning to depend on Jesus. The crazy good news about Jesus is that he can use what the devil meant for evil for absolute good. For absolute good. And so with every temptation, there is an invitation to trust Jesus. There is an invitation to trust Jesus in your temptations. So as you fall into sin from temptations, God will pick you up again and again and again. He will. And so some of these things, you just can't overcome them by yourself. Okay? And so you, you might be able to muster up enough strength and self-discipline uh, and, and put them in the closet for a while, but that's exhausting. That's exhausting. And so the good news about Jesus is that he is far more powerful than any crooked temptation in you. And so he's saying there is a way out. I'm giving you a way out to endure it and to brave it. And the way out is through my son, Jesus, by the grace that he offers. So we're going to go into a, a time where I want, I want God to keep speaking to us. All right, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into some invitation. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.